I kind of wish that I had just like a backpack stenographer, court stenographer, all the time. <laughs> write that down. Just like write down things that happen to me during oh. my day because no yeah, one's gonna believe down. this shit. That's how a lot of people feel, and that's how we get reality TV and Vine stars, and nobody oh. needs that. There are no stars on Vine. Tell that to the tweens, Bart. Just tell it asshole. to the tweens. You know what I'm gonna tell to the tweens? <laughs> I don't know that you should be talking to tweens. <laughs> Especially if you have someone following you around, writing down everything. <laughs> this week's legal advice say, brought to you by. I'm required to have this person with me at all times. Especially when I'm near tweens. Logging our conversation. They have he to, writes down what I say. They have to stand betwixt me and the tweens. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is Daily, uh, and joining me this week is my partner in levitation crime, Bartholomew Devon. Hello, Bart. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Barty. And I'm sorry, uh, what? I don't know. I, you said Mikey. I said Barty. Let's let's not do that again. I've been calling you Mikey since we were 14 years. Yeah, ago. no, it was like it was an involuntary response. I don't know what happened. It just it just popped out. That's what Ed Norton said in Birdman. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we're talking Birdman this week, uh, Birdman or the, uh, virtue of being ignorant or the virtue of ignorance or something. something. I don't know. There's some other subtitle that I'd <laughs> forgotten already. how to stop worrying. Yeah. And just love the bomb. Yep. Um, but first, but first the news. The news. Uh, so, a lot uh, of news. so yeah, so I will, uh, you know, admit my own culpability here. Uh, it's been a very busy week for me, uh, both at work and just, you know, at home in life. Uh, and so we recorded a podcast on Sunday uh, and talked all about the Avengers trailer and what that might mean for Marvel going forward. Uh, and then two days later, before I had the chance to finish editing the podcast, uh, Marvel dropped like a fucking atom bomb on the world and laid out their entire slate uh, through the end of phase three. And everybody forgot about what DC said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a goddamn doozy. So. Yep. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Terminator a little bit. Yeah. Because that has also gotten very interesting in the last 48 hours. So oh, yeah. I don't even know. What that oh, is. yeah. No, okay. it's going to be fun. But first, there's one thing I want to throw out there, uh, and that's uh, we've been talking about uh, all of these different superhero uh tv series that have been on recently so they've got the mm -hmm. flash on and arrow uh gotham nice. um a couple of these have served you know arrow and flash are pretty much just straightforward yeah you know character adaptations gotham serves as like a prequel um to to i mean to, to a prequel to, to batman to batfleck and it's not a prequel to an established franchise it's just sort of like yeah it's gotham before batman was batman it's gotham when bruce wayne was a child so I haven't seen any of this. Are, oh, really? Are, are, is this Warren is really into it. I'm not actually that surprised. He's, like, really into it. it. Is, does this take place before Bruce Wayne's parents are killed? The, Bruce Wayne's parents are killed in the pilot. Um, the main character of the show is Lieutenant Jim Gordon um, and his partner, oh. Harvey Bullock. Um, and so... Harvey Bullock? Yeah. 
uh, who's Donald Logue, who's the best thing on the show, probably. Huh. Um, but yeah, Bruce Wayne is a child, and so you see Bruce Wayne, you see Alfred. Um, the Alfred is pretty good. Um, and then you also see, like, all of these villains before they're really villains. Um, like, you see Penguin, actually, the guy who plays the Penguin, uh, Robin Lord Taylor, I think is his name, or Robin Taylor Lord, uh, he is actually the, probably the best thing on the show. Um, he's fantastic. Um and you see like a young cat woman who's like a 14 year old girl and there was like a young poison ivy and a young edward enigma and so it's like some of them are already bad guys or shady and some of them like edward enigma is like a csi guy so to be really young some of them are some of them aren't like assuming Catwoman's the only one who's like of and poison ivy were the only ones who have shown up that are like of the same age as bruce wayne bruce wayne is what like 12 yeah, probably. Then yeah, they would need to be. Yeah, penguin. I mean, peng- penguin, penguin should be, be older. Penguin, penguin should be a little, little bit older. older. Yeah. Um, Edward Nigma's like probably in his late twenties, so he's a li- he's like a little bit older. That's. I mean, you think back to like Frank Gorshin, Riddler. He was a little. He was a little bit older. That's fine, I a, guess. A Riddler. Little. Riddler could be older. I guess. Um, but anyway, the so the, this like prequel Batman sort of series. Um, and, you know, they did the same thing with Superman. What the hell is it about? nobody knows least of all those showrunners apparently so that's like, the biggest what, like what happens from it's just to it's episode? i mean it's kind of just a procedural thing um it's you know it's jim gordon solving crimes in the city of gotham where there's police corruption okay, but, and but there's I mean, like, mob- what, what mobsters are they, what are they having all of these like will be super villains doing just you know hanging out basically the, the penguin are they committing crimes the well so so the penguin is the only one who is like already like an out and out like villain like, he is like a mafia underling who's like playing a power game and he's playing two two different families against each other he's the only one who's like Weird. who's like an established like a you know a classic batman villain who's like actually a villain a villain in this show because catwoman is just like a home like a girl who lives on the street and edward nigma works for the police and uh he works for the per- yeah he's like a csi for the, he's like a csi tech for the for the police but yeah no most of them just are just sort of just sort of hanging out so you know it's jim gordon solving other crimes that are vaguely have to do with you know political corruption and and mafia infighting so yeah it's it's it it's just kind of, of a procedural with some weird stuff Okay. I don't know. The last the last episode I watched, which was not this week's, was last week's, um, involved uh, uh, the guy who makes uh, Bane's uh, venom drug. Um, you mean Bane doesn't make it? Uh, no. There, it's like a scientist. Well, they attribute everything to the Wayne Corporation or whatever. But uh, but it's like a scientist who is like working on that drug, and he's just like giving it to homeless people on the street but he's giving them like a fucked up like prototype version so they get like super crazy strong at first but the drug literally it's like it eats away at the calcium in their bones and so they start like they all go like they're craving milk they're like chugging milk by the gallon and then eventually after a couple of hours like their bones literally just like disintegrate inside their bodies so you just had all these like hilarious scenes like, of people like just deflated like inflated people yeah basically like there's a guy he literally he like picks up like a refrigerator up over his head and then like all of his bones just snap and collapse and he just like 
like crushes himself under this giant fucking thing and there's like a it cuts to like a news reporter just impassively saying off on a tv screen somewhere like the drug appears to give people super strength until they die a horrible death like with no emotion whatsoever i was like oh this show's a comedy okay this sounds very cartoony <laughs> yeah no it's it's ridiculous it's Weird. fucking ridiculous uh, the episode before that involved a guy a vigilante who uh went around town finding corrupt politicians and uh crooked cops and tying them to balloons until they float away in the sky they called him balloon man the fuck is going on in this show i have no idea but you know anyway where were you going with well this? so i was where i was going with this originally was uh you know this superhero you know lots of more superheroes coming to tv uh there's a supergirl show being developed that who knows where that will oh dear. lie in terms of the movies or any of these other tv shows i don't think it's supposed to necessarily exist flash and arrow are like spinoffs of each or flash is a direct spinoff of arrow so they exist in the same universe they yeah. have interacted together but i don't think this supergirl show will necessarily be connected um and a there's a teen titan show that's also being developed oh, that will DC. definitely not be the same Get i don't know shit together i don't know man um but they're also talking about a, and i think this actually sounds really interesting a prequel series uh around uh krypton that will take place on krypton before krypton explodes i think it's interesting because i feel like it's an area that hasn't really been explored before that could be really interesting. well that's all well and good you know as long as they don't go all green lantern-y oa on us i don't know i mean it i think the bigger i think the biggest fear with that is it's like it's like seeing Titanic. You know the ship is going to go down before the end of the movie. I know. Oh, spoiler alert. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A hundred year old spoilers. You know that planet is going to explode at some point. So like, it explode. does the explode. So does the whole show just become like a countdown to planetary, you know, kaboom? Well, it ain't going to have a season two. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's, but, but, uh, you know, that's the thing. One of the things I love most about uh, Man of Steel is that it actually... I mean, I like Richard Donner's version of Krypton, where it's all crystals and shit. It just seems so otherworldly and weird. Mm -hmm. But, like, Snyder's Krypton was, like, fascinating and, Snyder, and full of dragon creatures Snyder's and shit. Snyder's Krypton... He just, he just watched... Uh fucking what do you call it too many times i don't know what do you the call 3D it 3d thing that i haven't seen. avatar yeah that okay i almost called it avalon i was like that's not right <laughs> no it's called that's not what that is but like i would like i would totally watch a, a whole other story like set on that krypton like i don't think that's not the krypton we would get on this show but like i i, I want to learn more about that culture and more about that world like yeah, that well, seems interesting that to would me. be fine but i just yeah. they tried that once yeah they, they called it Caprica. Yeah, well, I was oh. going to say, that's the inherent problem with all prequels, basically, is that, yeah, you know you, you know how it ends. Um, so unless you really, really screw around with people's expectations, um, then, you know, it becomes kind of uninteresting. And, and at its worst, you end up with a show that just feels compelled to go out close of its way to, to yeah to just connect the dots of yeah. these things that were sort of like hinted at or sort of vaguely shown in the background of something uh, in the movie that you are you know that originally started all of this and then now, now they've got to explain away everything yeah um it's the great example is um 
they keep talking about remaking uh, Escape from New York, um, which, like, is a stupid idea on many levels. But the last pitch I heard about it was that they didn't want to just remake Escape from New York. They wanted to do a whole new trilogy in which the first movie would be a prequel and then the second movie would be essentially a remake of escape from new york and in the first movie you would learn how snake plissken got his eye patch it's like i don't want to know why snake plissken has an eye patch i just want him to have a fucking eye patch that's all i need that's all I need. You don't you, need to explain. You, you are one step from yeah. Patton Oswalt right now. I know. <laughs> I'm. That's what I'm saying. Um, John Voight's ball sack. Yeah, that's that's where we are. We are living in John Voight's ball sack right now. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But that actually kind of. I think that kind of leads me uh, well into uh, into all this Terminator ness. Yes. Let's let's terminate some things. So we've been talking about rewatching it for a while, um, as like as we did with Rambo. Um, because it's been a while since we've seen a lot, a bunch of them. So, um, but they're Paramount is uh, rebooting it, uh, starting next year. Um, okay, can I, can I just PSA? The yeah. more you know, does anyone out there in the world have any new ideas? Please. Well, please. no, I don't think so. That's that's not really that's not really how movies work. And we you know we're going to talk about that later with Birdman. I think so. Terminator has been sort of happening without a lot of fanfare. Um, they've sort of they've made some casting announcements, and that's that was really kind of it. Um, and most of the casting announcements were playing Sarah Connor, playing John Connor, playing Kyle who, Reese, you know. Who, who are So, uh, Amelia, Amelia Clark, who's plays the mother of dragons on, uh, on Game of Thrones, uh, Khaleesi, she's, uh, she's playing Sarah Connor. She's excellent. She's, she's isn't, wonderful. Isn't Lena Headey on... On Game of Thrones, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just saying. She, yeah, I know it all comes, it all comes around. Um, Jason Clark is playing, uh, uh, is playing John Connor, like grown up John Connor. He's the guy who was the head scientist in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes this year. Um, oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Okay. Um, he's great. I love that guy. Okay. Um, uh, Jai Courtney is playing Kyle Reese. Um, you watched uh, uh, Jack Reacher, right? I did. In Jack Reacher, Jack Courtney is the like head bad guy who is not Werner Herzog. So not the old guy with three fingers, yeah. but the, his underling. The one yeah, who yeah. fights Tom Cruise in the rain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy. He his is playing Kyle head Reese. Minion. Yeah, head minion. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Matt Smith, Dr. Guy who was the you know recently departed Doctor Who, uh, is playing some sort of mystery role, which they haven't really explained. He's going to be a Terminator. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But Schwarzenegger is in it playing a terminator um oh of course and this is what we learned this week um they'd sort of been describing it as a sort of reboot kind of like the abram star trek where you know someone's gonna go someone's gonna change the timeline so this will still be sort of in the same canon but you know the events of the previous movies are going to be rewritten well that's good because they pretty much need to erase sarah connor chronicles yeah basically so um we've now gotten a little uh our first uh, indications of what exactly that means. Okay. The major change in the timeline for this movie is that Sarah Connor is orphaned by a Terminator at the age of nine. At the age of nine, a Terminator goes back in time and kills her parents, but she survives. And she is raised by 
an Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800 Terminator sent back in time to protect her. That's pretty fucked up. That she calls Pops, which is great. So she is now like, you know, a 20-something like young woman who has been raised to, much like John Connor was in T2, like raised to, uh, you know... Fear this coming robotic apocalypse, basically. Yeah. Um, what are they going to age him down again? Oh no. Okay, so this is the best part of all of this fucking insanity. They are doing both, aging him down and not aging him down. So, in when in most of the movie where we have Amelia Clark as sort of grown up Sarah Connor, Schwarzenegger will be playing an older version of that terminator why who's would been terminator have aged so the and they've they've answered that question as well the idea is that he is robotic part a robotic skeleton but he has organic parts over him so when, when he yeah the, the organic stuff ages when he's there for 30 years the organic stuff ages is basically what they've said which is like seems kind of silly but like that doesn't necessarily undermine anything they've ever we've never seen a terminator stick around for more than a couple days at a time anyway so yeah, that's fair. um so what they want to do is they want to uh, basically recreate the scene in which young Schwarzenegger Terminator goes back in time and, you know, shows up naked in the ball of electricity and all that stuff. Yeah. And so what they're going to do is use a body double and scans of his face. Oh, my God. And they are going to create a digital young... They Schwarzenegger. Tried that in I know. I really hope they're better at it now. Well, they've come up with a word for this. Oh no. Are you ready? Because it's the best part of the whole fucking story. Okay. The word they've come up with, the, the phrase they've coined is synthesbian. I'm going to sin on that. <laughs> I mean, that, look, we've seen this attempted before. They tried it in uh, X3. They tried to do young Charles oh, Xavier. Well, that was just weird, uncanny yeah. valley creepiness. And look, and they also did it to a certain degree in uh, in uh, the Team last Terminator, Terminator. movie no, yeah, with for, Christian they, Bale. Yeah, they did it for a minute. Yeah, just for, uh, you know, very brief. So we'll see. How, and then, of course, yeah, and of course, Jeff Bridges and Tron. So. Which looked horrifically yeah. creepy. So, I mean, I don't... Look, I... Maybe... Probably not, but maybe. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get a serious redefinition of of Everything. this of the entire Terminator storyline. They also, you know, this basically all this information came out uh, because uh, they this week's Entertainment Weekly has two covers with all of the people on the cover. Um, oh. And so it's like they're real. They're starting the marketing campaign for this new Terminator when franchise. When does it come out? Um, it's early summer? next year. Yeah, I think it's like next May or something like that. So it'll mm. be early summer next year. Okay. Um, well, I mean, are they done shooting? Uh, they probably yeah. If not, they might have some additional stuff. But yeah, they're essentially done. I think. Hmm. Um, they still won't say who, who Matt Smith is playing. Um, well, that's probably wise. What if he's Doctor Who? I <laughs> that would be great. Um, they, they're doing it as like a big mystery box thing. They literally have on the cover of on, so he's on one of the covers with Jason Clark, and it says, you know, Jason Clark as John Connor and Matt Smith as question mark question mark question mark question mark. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. Mm. Um, I mean, look, do we really? I guess the question is. I don't want to know. Do we really? No, I mean, I guess the question is, do we really need more Terminator in our in our lives? Like, 
I like Terminator, and I feel like that it, it, there's a lot of places that it can go safely. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. I mean, I mean the fact that it's a story that is literally you know uh, uh, rooted in time travel yeah, and about and, I mean, the about whole... people going back in time and changing the past means right. yeah you could literally reboot this thing an infinite number of times right which is a, which is fine yeah um, I mean there's always a question of when and if if and when yeah it will jump the shark yeah nuke the fridge so to speak so to speak. I don't know. I mean, I think we may have approached that point and maybe perhaps left it in our rear view. Uh, I think we're going to find out with this movie. I will say nobody has reacted well to, like, the pictures of them on the cover of Entertainment Weekly are awful. They're, oh, really? They're, they're terrible fucking photos. They It's like they went out of their way to make them all look as awkward as possible. Oh, um, well, good. Uh, and the story pitch just seems completely insane. So, I mean, no, there has been... You know, this is not how Paramount wanted to start this it's, these it's, proceedings. It smells a little bit like they're trying really hard to shoehorn old Schwarzenegger in, mm-hmm. which is yeah, never a good idea. Uh, when you want to reboot something, sometimes just it's, reboot. Just let it go. Just, yeah, let just the old stuff go. actually reboot it. Don't milk the old stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Just um, put out a new box set. But uh, the other thing we we can talk about is uh, is Marvel here. Well, um, and I think we should just launch right into that. Yeah, as I say, we don't need to go on at great length, but, you know, it should be noted. Like I said, we talked a lot about this stuff last week, but mostly a lot of the stuff that we sort of talked about um, and have been talking about for, you know, many, many weeks now at this point um, was kind of confirmed, you know? It's been years. I know. I know. I know. I meant on this podcast. Um, Daily, it's been years. Yeah, we're getting there, yeah. yeah. Um, so we we are going to get uh, – we'll be getting uh, uh, Captain America 3, which uh, will be called Civil War. And as we said, you know, uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark will be show up and sort of play the antagonist role there. Yep. Um, and that's coming first, I think. I think that's going to kick everything off. Yep. Um uh, Thor 3, which is subtitled Ragnarok. Ragnarok, so some shit's gonna go yeah, down. Yeah, that's basically an apocalyptic, you know, Asgard falls underwater and everybody dies, but then they get kind of reborn, so who knows what the fuck me that means, you know? I think that might be the way that they're gonna have Thor make a graceful exit. Well, Hemsworth could make a graceful exit. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and I've heard that he's not going to be in the third Avengers, um, probably directly because of whatever's going to happen in Ragnarok. I'm guessing what will whatever will end up happening is he'll end up staying on Asgard and yeah. and uh handing off yeah, exactly. to somebody new. It's maybe, possible, maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe a woman. We maybe we Beta get, Ray Bill, maybe could, the frog. Oh dude, I, I would love it if it was Beta Ray Bill. I would go bananas if they brought in Beta Ray Bill. Beta, Beta Ray, Ray Bill is a cosmic horse. Yeah. <laughs> who is also like Thor? He's, he's, he dresses like Thor, but he's a horse. He's just, great. He's like he's like no, he's a guy, but he has like a horse face. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill. It's great. It's great. It's His name character. is Beta Ray Bill. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, we're also gonna get a uh, Black Panther. Thank you. Which we were talking a lot about last week, and and I think Love I called this a couple weeks back. Chadwick Boseman will be playing. Yep. Will be playing uh, Black Panther, and he you was did. someone that I called said a while back. I was like, I, he seems like the perfect. You know, he is sort of in the same position right now that sort of Hemsworth and Chris Evans were mm-hmm. in to a certain degree uh, before they sort of joined the Marvel Universe, where he's sort of headlined some some good movies. And uh, he did the yeah. 42, the Jackie Robinson movie, yeah. and the Get On Up, the James Brown movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's sort of star in the making kind of thing. So yeah. he's, he's signed to a five-picture deal. 
Um, Good on them, man. So he, he'll be around for a bit. And he's going to be introduced, uh, I believe, in uh, Captain America. I think he, that's the first time he's actually going to appear is yeah. in Cap 3. So um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. They also released some concept art that just looked fucking fabulous. Oh, did they? Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. Just a picture of him in the suit. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up. It's fucking great. Um, what we do that, though, the other interesting... Uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. God damn right. Captain fucking Marvel. Um, so uh, we're gonna get. So we were talking about DC a while uh, a couple weeks ago, saying, "Oh yeah, look, DC. They're gonna have their black superhero lead. They're gonna have their female superhero lead. Uh, and Marvel just completely undercut them because they're both. They're gonna beat DC to the punch uh, on both counts here. Um, and you know, I'm still hearing a lot of people. Wait, wait. What are the dates? Uh. M- Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel might actually come after Wonder Woman. I, I, I have to, I'd have to check. But Captain Marvel's going to come a little bit later because uh, first we're going to get Guardians two, um, and then we're also going to get the next Avengers movie um, called Infinity War, um, which, which is you know Thanos, Thanos and his Infinity Gauntlet. Right. But it's going to be split into two parts. So it's going to be Infinity War Part One and Part Two, and in between those two movies we're going to get two other movies right one of which is captain marvel and, and the, the other one the is the inhumans i um, know nothing about so the inhumans is really interesting because it sounds like this is basically going to the inhumans are going to open the door to marvel's version of mutants uh because marvel you know part of their deal with fox is that fox has the x-men so they have the rights to the word mutants right. in their marvel universe and so the deal with the Inhumans is that they are sort of an offshoot of humanity, this ancient offshoot of humanity, um, who, when they reach a certain age, uh, they get exposed. You know, part of their their society they expose them to this material called the Terrigen Mists, and it activates like uh you know mutant powers within them basically um and sometimes it's like they get crazy superpowers sometimes it's you know something really mundane sometimes it's like they get crippled and horribly disfigured and shit like it's not always a good thing basically like their leader is this guy black bolt whose power is basically like his voice is a weapon of mass destruction so um and so uh they live in this like other you know this sort of hidden city away from humanity but some of them have on earth yeah i think so yeah um and some of them but some of them have chosen to no they want they don't want to live there they don't want to be part of all that stuff so they've left a long time ago and they've been so there are inhumans living amongst the humans um and you wouldn't know it because they're not exposed to the mists then you know their superpowers are never activated basically Hmm. so it seems like that might be sort of how marvel gets around this mutant thing is oh no we find out later that there are just you know people who have inhuman dna in them and you could expose them to this stuff and suddenly you've got all of these people who suddenly have powers so so is this gonna be are they gonna suddenly have access to the gajillion mutants they might yeah i don't know the entire x-men universe i don't know which mutants which characters uh fox specifically has claim to um as part of the x-men even if it's just the regular old x-men yeah well they don't i mean yeah the actual x-men are still will still be with fox Uh, but right but i mean some of those side characters yeah they might be able to to boost some of those guys um 
weird. There's even there's a lot of uh, speculation at this point that that's going to be the explanation for Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. I I mean that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that they that they talk about oh they've been experimented on and they were the only ones to survive and it, perhaps it's because they have inhuman DNA and you know whatever it was that they were doing to these people to try and turn them super powered you know their inhuman DNA gave them these abilities so um but they you know kevin feige is talking about inhumans as not just a new franchise for them but something that will launch franchises plural so like they see that as a huge new basically platform uh for the marvel universe so um so it'll be really interesting does that to see where come that before goes. or after captain marvel i think it's captain marvel and humans and then Aven- and then infinity war 2 so hmm. Um, and Captain Marvel, you know, very exciting. Jamie, very excited about it. Um, we're going to get uh, – it, it still remains to be seen. We So they announced the – excuse me. They announced the Black Panther casting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also getting Doctor Strange in there, and they did not – you know, speculation is that Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch will be playing Doctor Strange. Almost seems too obvious to yeah. me. Well, I mean, I think that's a character – like, you know, we've talked about this, about you know, sort of introducing this new – dimension to the marvel universe of magic and stuff so that feels like the character kind of like they want him to be the downy jr of that of the next phase of marvel like you need a big name they want a big name to sort of anchor this kind of thing so that you can get away with a chadwick boseman as the black panther um it remains to be seen what they're going to do with Captain Marvel. Um, they did not announce that casting, and I suspect the reason is because uh, she's going to make a cameo in the people. There's you know a lot of people have been saying oh she's going to make a cameo in Age of Ultron, not as Captain Marvel, but as, as Carol, Carol Danvers. Danvers. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like the re- you don't announce that casting so that when you have their your cameo in Ultron, it makes a big it's a big moment in that movie because yeah. if they announce it now, as soon as she shows up in the movie, you go, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's her. Okay. I know it's not going to happen, yeah. but I'm still hoping for Katie Sackhoff. Well, so this is the other argument we were having is, um, Jamie and I were talking about this the other day is you kind of have to go young with this because black Panther Bozeman signed for a five picture deal. Yeah. You know, you kind of want, and, and Captain Marvel's not coming until 2019, I think. So, her franchise isn't even going to start for four more. She'll, I assume we'll see her show up and stuff. They've said she, I mean, she is ridiculously overpowered. Like, she can fly. She's invulnerable. She shoots energy yeah. beams out of her hands. Like, she's she's, she's Superman, she's basically. She's also way cooler yeah. than Wonder Woman. Well, and Marvel, yeah. And uh, the Marvel guys have all said, oh, she's going to be the most powerful character in the Marvel universe, like, by far. So, which is the other reason I feel well, like. she's Captain yeah, Marvel. I know. So I feel like that's the other reason you hold off on her until the second part of Infinity War because um, I feel like she's gonna have to come in and save the day. Well, yeah, exactly. Because if she's around earlier, it's like why are, she could solve all of these problems like in a minute and a half, you know? Yeah. So I feel like they're holding her off so that she can actually have a big impact on the story later on. Um, but yeah, so we're, you know she's really not gonna start until 2019. Mm. So. You, you kind of want someone who's, yeah. you know, probably not in their 20s, but, you know, early 30s now. Because, other, you know, you're talking about if she's 30. If you pick someone who's 30 now, she's going to be 35 until you start making her proper movies, which are going to involve a lot of stunt work. And it's not like Iron Man or Black Panther where they have, a you know, it's a full body suit and it doesn't, the actor doesn't matter because they're not doing the stunts. Yeah, like no, her face needs to be. Yeah. It's her, and it's mm. her face and a suit. Like yeah. it's gotta be that actress. So, um, so yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna have to go younger. 
Um, if I hear one more person say it should be Jennifer Lawrence, I'm going to, you know, slap that person. Oh, because, please, no. no I mean, no. come on. There are other actresses in the world, Well, for fuck's that sake. and that. I mean, she's not going to do yeah, no, it'll never happen. Yeah. Like it just won't. It just won't happen. And it's like you couldn't come up with anything better. I tell you, the idea that I really like so far um, mm. is uh, Gemma Arterton. She is great, uh, and she I think deserves more success than she has gotten. She says she was in the uh, the Hansel and Gretel movie with Jeremy Renner, the one where uh, Hansel is diabetic because the witch made him eat too much candy. <laughs> yeah, what? it's great. Oh, it's fucking ridiculous and really fun. Um, but yeah, she hasn't really made a big impact in America. She's, you know, well-respected, uh, overseas in, in England, but mm. hasn't made a huge impact here and she should, she's, she's great. So, um, I would love it. I would love to see her step into a role like this. So, mm. um, but yeah, man, I mean, the, look, the possibilities, possibilities are kind of endless. So, mm. um, so yeah, we have lots of, lots of good stuff to look forward to from the Marvel universe that's coming, going forward. It's very exciting. It's very exciting times. All right, let's talk about Birdman. Uh, joining us for our Birdman segment today, we have the lovely Jenna Gabriel. Hello, Jenna. Hello, Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks. And uh, my fabulous wife, Jamie, is back again. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Hello. It's been it's been so long. I know. You've been sleepy and teaching children. I so. know. Go figure. I know. Um, so we literally have just emerged from the the cocoon of Birdman, and. Uh, Puzzled with this metaphor. metaphor. That is, you I know, yeah. emerged I know. from the nest. Yeah, there we go. The bird's nest, if you will. We've left the nest. We've left the nest. We've there flown, we go. We've flown the coop. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> See, this is why you guys need to be here. So you can fix all of my ill-suited metaphors. Um, so, uh, I mean... I, Bailey, make like a tree. Get the hell out of here. Fuck off. Fuck, okay, good. <laughs> well, let's go around the table, I guess. Uh, l- oh, hell no. I'm not going first. No, I was going to say, lady, ladies first. I think it's only the polite thing to do patriarchy patriarchy yeah but i'm making it work you don't want to go first daily i think you need to go first first? all right look i'll go first um the big sort of hook of this movie the thing that is you know impossible to not notice or the thing that is impossible to get uh to not acknowledge is the uh technical nature of the cinematography um that the film is constructed sort of under the illusion of it all being one shot. Yes, it's like watching 24 hours of happy. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's. I mean, it's it's breathtaking. It's really, really impressive stuff. I mean, it's not actually one shot. I mean, it, the fact that it isn't obviously all one shot, but that you really can't see the strings. I mean, it's not really... There are moments when it's obvious, but... Well, there are moments where you go, oh, okay, this is where they're... There's a cut right there. But... This is where, like, because at a certain point, yeah, you just start thinking, okay, where are they, where are they, where are they cutting? Where are the cuts that I can't see? So you start going, oh, that must be a cut. This must be a place where there's a cut, hmm. but you don't see the cut. Right. And that's not a, I mean, look, to be honest, like, that's not really a difficult thing to do, per se. No, but nobody does it. Right, no. But, I mean, it's also, I don't want to shortchange it and say, like, oh, whatever, it's just, like, you know, they're just hiding the cuts. Like, there is a lot of intricate camera moves and really complicated staging going on, even within the individual shots, where, uh, you know, a camera will move and it's, like, someone has clearly stepped in just out of frame. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I really love that. I mean, I mean, like I said, it's it's one of those things that is just impressive on the face of it. Yeah. Um, there's two layers to this. There's 
the fact that the camera is it never appears to be breaking the shot but at the same time uh time is elastic in this movie you yes. know it's not real time you know and that's the thing that i think makes it really interesting is if it was supposed to be you know oh it's all one take and it's all just like one 90 minute scene basically but no like it's clearly uh you know time passes in between and you'll literally there's uh the one shot that is like really uh kind of puts the button on it which is uh when emma stone and ed norton are up in the catwalk and then the camera sort of flies off of them and tilts down onto the stage where ed norton is sitting on stage doing a scene yeah. and the show later that night um I, that that's the stuff that i think really sort of makes it particularly more interesting um, because in a way it makes it feel more like a play which well, is what we're watching basically i mean i think the fluid nature of the time yeah and the camera work and everything just makes it feel very backstagey yeah um and it, it lends a certain intimacy to it i can't believe i'm talking about this this way <laughs> <laughs> because there's like this whole movie is about the douchiness i'm sorry to the to any actors in the room yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. As an actor, you're allowed to say that. The 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 douchiness of theater people. Yeah. Compared to the like fun stupidity of cinema people. Sure. No, movie people. Movie people, yeah. Not cinema people. Yeah. But the thing is that and then the whole thing is played to cinema people. That's true. Somewhere between. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, you're right. It is, you know, we we're presented with the sort of uh New York highbrow theater snobs. Um sort of contrasting combating with comic book actors you know superhero movie actors uh, and one looking down on the other but you're right like this is still at the end of the day like we the audience are sitting watching like an art film in an independent theater like we are basically the art snobs but at the same time we all showed up because michael keaton used to play batman you know like I was say, it's a movie populated by comic book actors yeah I mean, Edward Orton was the Hulk. Yep. You know, Stone is Gwen Stacy. Yeah, the, literally, almost everybody in that the movie only is. Was in King Kong, which yeah. is not really the same thing, but but pulpy. Of. It's yeah. you know, it's in that same genre, it's, it's in that same vein. Mystery, it anyway. is absolutely. So yeah, no, I mean, there's plenty of. No, it's not like this is a cast full of, you know, I mean, not to say that you know those guys have also done stuff like I Heart Huckabees, uh, which you know, really intellectual independent theater stuff. I mean, uh, uh, independent film stuff. Edward Norton is you know one of the new sort of staples of wes anderson at this point so mm. um you know these guys they certainly have artistic cred but they are also able to sort of balance that with box office mojo you know well it made me think about us and this podcast yeah and the fact that mostly what we do is rant about marvel like we all do the, that a like, lot like all the time we do that rant a lot or rave <laughs> well, well. We, okay, we rant about DC. Yeah, we rave about Marvel. <laughs> That's rave probably about... true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, I think. That's actually another one of the things that I really liked is uh, all that it's stuff. Me- it's so meta, yeah. man. All that stuff at the beginning where yeah. you know they're they're listing off people. Oh, he's doing this franchise and he's doing that franchise, but they're listing off actual actors and the actual franchises they're doing. Yeah, which was hilarious. You know, and oh, then then you see Downey Jr. on the TV promoting Iron Man three. Like it, I like that they were actually 
they weren't really making fun of these guys. It was sort of like, who? Jeremy Renner. Yeah. He's an Avenger. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got him in a cape. Oh. But that's the thing. Like, he, they're literally, they're listening. Was It's Renner and uh, Fassbender and Woody, and, and Woody Harrelson. Like, these guys are all, again, like, those are people who, yeah, you could totally see them as, like, re- they're respected enough as artists. Like, oh, yeah, get them. Like, they would be great on in on stage on broadway but at the same time like no no no, they're also the guys who are anchoring our giant comic book multi-billion dollar franchises right now yeah i think and it's interesting though because i was thinking partly through the movie i wondered if they really were trying to make that point and if they really were trying to say something about who can consider this themselves an artist versus versus a celebrity and it for a while, almost seems like there is a little bit of anger and yeah. annoyance there at the kind of movies that make money and the kind of actors who make money in them. Mm-hmm. But then you remember, again, this is a movie populated by comic book actors. Yeah. And so then it's just kind of like, huh, okay. Like, are they trying to be ironic? Are they not trying to make the point it seems like they're trying to make? Um, but then you've also got the point of who... You know, there's always this big thing now of, oh, if any celebrity wants to be in a Broadway show, it gets made and they get nominated for a Tony, whereas right. you've got these career stage actors who slave away and don't get any recognition exactly. because, you know, Lindsay Lohan <laughs> wants to do a play. Right. Um, and TV, I think, is kind of going down the same route now. You've always had, for the longest time, you had this sort of separation of, you know, there were movie stars and there were TV actors. And if you were doing movies, you didn't do TV because that was like mm-hmm. a step down. And, you know, it was, you were on the way out. But now it's like, oh, well, you know, Lawrence Fishburne is on CSI. And, uh, you know, like real, like, you know, M- Matthew McConaughey doing True Detective. Like, I mean, part of that is the level of television has really been elevated with a lot of the, you know, cable and the premium, you know, HBO and Showtime, like putting in actual money and doing these you know, small, tightly scripted series that feel just like, you know, really long movies, essentially. Um, but yeah, no, it's the same thing with, with Broadway now. It's like all these people who could have had a career doing television, um, it's now harder for them because movie stars want to do TV because it's like the hip, cool thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's the same thing in on Broadway. It's like, oh, yeah, no, so-and-so is going to do Chicago, and that means that someone who's been grinding it out playing that role for, you know, 10 years is you know, maybe not so much going to get that part because someone else wants to do it. But so I also thought it was interesting because this is coming right as Emma Stone's about to make her debut on Broadway. And I mean, not to say she won't be great. I do think she'll be great. But, you know, probably a lot of people who, again, have been like training and paying their dues in the chorus and everything. And do they get to play Sally Bowles? No, they do not. Because Michelle Williams and Emma Stone want to do it. So. I do think there's something else to be said, though, for the kind of roles and the kind of shows that these like big TV stars are coming to do. Yeah. You, know, you talked about television as like we're elevating the art form and so we're able to get these movie stars who are coming in. Yeah. I don't know a single theater person like pounding the pavement in New York who'd be like, you know, this current run of Chicago is exactly what I went to go slave away mm-hmm. in my BFA to do. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and so I, I will say I think one of the things that was very different about this Broadway show that this actor was coming down from, you know, the comic book, whatever. Like, it's a book, a play. It's something that he wrote. And, it, right. and there's something else to be said for, like, you're coming in and you're going to direct and write and star in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, it, it it is a different kind of art. I, like, Chicago is much more 
analogous to the Marvel franchise. Well, yeah, I was going to say, because, I mean, that's the other way you sort of look at it is, you know, well, what are the movies that get made now? It's, well, it's adapting a comic book or a, or a TV show or it's remaking a movie from the 80s or whatever. Like, that's the stuff that, uh, that that's the majority of the stuff that's getting greenlit because, you know, oh, well, it's got a built-in audience and it's been successful before. So, like, executives can sort of justify, well, I, you know, it made sense from a business sense to, you know, green like that movie and to make that movie, even if it doesn't do well or even if it ends up being a bad movie, like, the idea of it made sense because look at, like, all of this, you know, the, all these demographics that we had, you know, pre-established beforehand as opposed to, you know, pitching an original script and a whole new thing it's like oh no you've got to sort of teach people what this world is about and who this you know who these characters are um it's the i think it's the same thing uh in the theater where it's like oh yeah no you can do an original you know some brand new play some you know some new work or yeah you could do hamlet for the nine millionth time because people know what that it's you know it's a known quantity you know this production of cabaret they revived like 12 years ago yeah with alan coming yeah. in the lead that's true yeah and they cycled through like molly ringwald and like, <laughs> you know eight others yeah coming gets older they all stay the same <laughs> <laughs> so great i don't think anyone's ever drawn the comparison between coming and mcconaughey before oh, that's wow. fantastic we're breaking barriers here on the daily screen <laughs> um so like so from the like, like i said from the technical standpoint um there's really i think there's very little to criticize in a way um it's full of moves that just like kind of take your breath away um like it's a couple of times i love the camera moves through the iron grating on the windows yep. from outside mm -hmm. and you're like oh man it's crazy it's like that uh, reminded me of there's that one shot in uh contact that always like twists my brain inside out when it's uh it's following jenna malone up the stairwell when her like her dad dies and it's following her up the stairwell running to get the medication out of the bathroom um and so it's like following it's like a close-up of her uh while she's moving up the stairs and then she gets into the bathroom and then the you like suddenly you're looking in the mirror like the the frame opens up and you're inside the medicine cabinet and it's as if you had been watching her in the bathroom mirror from all the way down in the kitchen and up the stairs and down the hall it's a crazy shot and it always like whoa like the, it's like the whole world sort of does a 180 and reverses on you um that's kind of what the the iron great things sort of felt like to me it was like whoa it's like you're you're you started on an actual person and the camera moves up along this building and then suddenly it does an impossible thing like yeah. oh whoa how did how did that happen you know mm. um and then all of the levitating stuff that and the stuff flying me, stuff that reminded me so much of christopher walken in weapon of choice weapon yeah. of choice yeah yeah well i was gonna say i mean that's the interesting i think the thing that's kind of peculiar about that is you know there's so he's got this voice of the birdman character talking to him through most of the movie edward norton yeah um <laughs> But, uh, but, and then you see him doing these things like levitating in his dressing room or, you know, telekinesis, he's moving objects yeah. around the room and you get these just sort of simple, like there's the bit where he trashes the, the dressing room yeah. um, and he's, he's levitating everything with his head. He's, you know, uh, telekinetically smashing stuff. And then it, the camera swings around and you see Galifianakis come in 
and then it comes back and he's like literally smashing things with his hands yeah exactly yeah. so you so you get so you're the, left to wonder whether he's crazy yeah exactly it's like oh he's actually smashing things but he like imagines himself doing it with his mind and then that really becomes concrete later when he flies all around the city and then gets the, out of a cab and then the cab pulls up and goes hey he didn't pay me you know yeah so it's like it made it very concrete which is why the last shot of the movie sort of feels very like perplexing yeah it's sort of like oh, wait what i don't know like i would have been I fine with liked it that it was grounded in a certain amount of reality like i liked the confirmation that it was like oh no this is just in his head yeah really he's taking a cab so yeah when she looks up and kind of laughs and it closes on that it is kind of like wait now he's really flying yeah, well, I mean, I just, I think the cab is the thing that breaks the last shot for me. Like, I would have been fine with the sort of implication of, like, oh, like, going the whole movie just sort of being like, oh, yeah, no, he's imagining these things, these things aren't really happening, and then, oh, he's kind of flying, because then it just feels sort of, like, whimsical and fun, but when you, like, like make the point of showing the cab driver chasing after him looking for the fare or you know see cutting from him metaphorically smashing to actually smashing suddenly the last shot just feels like i don't know see it didn't break it for me because i'm perfectly okay with him being crazy and birdman (laughs) like that's fine with that that's fine yeah just because i'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not actually trying to get me (laughs) that's true you know what i mean yeah and uh, it, it was fine I didn't have a problem with that, and I liked I liked all the false alarms that we had all over the place because he was, I mean, because there are no cuts. Yeah, it feels very relentless. Yeah, and you always you have this constant thing that he's you're wondering whether he's going to kill himself, mm-hmm. and then he keeps almost killing himself, and you're not sure whether he actually did or he didn't. Yeah, and it's it's just full of suspense that mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Say, speaking of suspense, I feel like the music was really well done in terms oh, of yeah. especially like ratcheting up the intensity. Oh yeah, all those moments. drum beats. Yeah, and, and yeah. then I do like when in the very last scene when he's heading out to stage with the gun, you can see the drummer over his shoulder for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Um, that was nice. Well, no, he was on the street earlier, well, no, I think. no, I know, but that's different. Oh, oh just like, like seeing what he music. sees yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having the drummers on the street, that's like yeah. actual musicians that yeah, he's yeah. walking by. Exactly. Having the drummer randomly appear in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. no, no, totally. When he, when he was telling the story about getting electrocuted by all the uh, jellyfish, yeah i was like is he telling a superhero creation story <laughs> i was like is this how, that's he got how i his learned powers? how to control yeah. electricity i also love that at the end uh you know he's got the bandages on his face and it's basically it looks like a superhero mask oh yeah, yeah. you know he's wearing a mask it, it, it had a little beat and a little beat i was yeah. freaking out when he was taking the bandages off i thought he was gonna have a bird beat i thought he was gonna be very disfigured and it was gonna be very gruesome and gross and like smashed a little still, or he was gonna have a yeah, bird. Yeah. Yeah. talking about. Yeah. Like, I thought he was gonna have a like one like actual yeah. a literal no, beat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, we gotta talk about Keaton. Keaton is just. I love. I sort of love that he has the. Uh, I love kind of thinking that he has his own grumbly Batman voice. Yeah, in his own head. In his own head, in real right? life. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, uh, he, he does the Birdman stuff. Like he's in the Birdman suit and I love that they slow play the suit. Like you hear the voice for most of the movie, but the suit doesn't show up until like an hour into it. Yeah. Um, which is great. I mean, obviously we've all seen pictures of the suit, but like, God, that suit is so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, Especially his, I don't know if you saw, but he has like giant feet because he's got like three toed like bird feet. Yeah. (laughs) It's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, no, he's. He's he's so great, and you know, like I said, it's that 
you know that batman stuff totally informs like the character like it's the, it's the baggage that we bring into this yeah um is we can't not look at him and, and think of batman and I, there are even a couple of sort of oblique references to it like uh at one point oblique. when he, well no look there's some very pointed ones the whole like, movie is yeah a- uh at one point when he's talking about uh doing Birdman 3 and he's like oh yeah that was that was 1992 oh which is that's when that's when no but that's when Batman Returns came out was was 1992 that's the last time he was Batman was 1992 and yeah and then the story about Clooney on the airplane which is also kind of cute and adorable (laughs) but yeah no there's you know that's the thing of I mean I know you and I both have Bart you and I have some big love for for Michael Keaton and I don't I don't I don't know what is ladies what are your do you have like nostalgic memories of keaton batman do you did you not give a crap when you were of that age no i mean i liked batman but i was not super into batman at that age so i didn't have any i feel like i remember the villains more Mm. well that's because it's nicholson (laughs) i mean yeah but i just don't remember like i don't have strong like keaton's batman didn't leave a strong impression on me beetlejuice left a strong impression i was gonna say yeah like i was gonna say his batman like eh, i don't remember it being anything special or anything bad it's a neutral opinion in my head but beetlejuice i watched obsessively well you know what you know what I, i feel like the good batman yeah sure we'll go with batman um always have one really crazy character to lean on that Mm -hmm. we played before and i'm i'm gonna i mean bale had american psycho oh sure yeah and keaton had beetlejuice yeah i was gonna make the same point at one Uh, point in the movie i swear to god he was uh he was i think he was yelling at edward norton or whatever but he was oh no when he was yelling at the at the critic yeah he was doing the voice yeah the the, the you, you want to get, get nuts? nuts yeah come on let's get nuts he was doing that but yeah because at first i was like is he doing a nicholson impression yeah. no he's doing that scene yeah. there were a couple moments where he seemed very nicholson-esque to me yeah. like yeah. i remember thinking we were this close to the shining a couple times oh yeah well, you know the thing about about his batman is his, i don't think his batman is anything special but his bruce wayne yeah is great yeah, oh yeah because he's so mild-mannered but like quietly like insane <laughs> and he's and he's got the eyebrow thing that he can do yeah there's uh uh one of the interviews uh on the dvd that i have is uh there's like a whole feature about uh all the different uh batman movies yeah. and they interview everybody and their mother i think it's kevin smith is talking about it but he says like his favorite shot is of, of like keaton batman in either movie is uh, at the very beginning, I think, of Batman Returns, um, when the circus gang is terrorizing the tree lighting thing, mm-hmm. and they light the bat signal, and the bat signal, like, reflects across, like, all the mirrors, whatever, and so then it activates in his library, and it's just, he's just sitting in his library, like, staring at the wall. Like, he's just got, no- <laughs> like, nothing to do with his life. He's just waiting for that bat signal yeah. to light up, and then he, like, gets up, and he does the slow stand, and, like, looks out at the window, like, fuck yeah batman time that's the bruce wayne that i'm like fascinated with the one who's just sitting around waiting to go out reading a book yeah Yeah. no sitting in a library he's got a billion dollars and he doesn't care (laughs) my favorite uh keaton batman or um keaton bruce wayne moment is when he's trying to tell vicky vale that he's been yeah it's the i'm batman and he's mouthing it to himself (laughs) I'm i'm batman i'm batman um in his sweater vest yeah that's true oh then. or it's a maybe it's a cardigan I don't know. <laughs> um i think norton is the other person that really kind of stands out to me um because at first you sort of feel like 
like it's kind of typecast like he's just kind of yeah well because he's got like he, he has such a reputation of you know being a incredibly hard to work Edward with norton actor. is a crazy fuck yeah and so he takes sh- over the project he's in right exactly so he's just like oh he's just doing it. they just hired him to be edward norton in this movie okay great but like he's got those a couple of moments where he's like genuinely fantastic outside of doing like a riff on his own persona you know like that scene up on the rooftop uh, both of those scenes up on the rooftop with emma stone i think are just great mm. um and he's, i also like a very good actor yeah just, yeah no he's fantastic he's just i thought he was nuts. great in this yeah no i i even if he is playing himself yeah no totally <laughs> um i really i also really liked the bit with uh when keaton confronts him over the newspaper article yeah um like he's got a real sort of vulnerability in that i mean keaton does but he's putting it on but uh norton's got like a really nice vulnerability in that moment too where he actually buys into it and oh 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 shit man oh shit man i'm sorry you know like that it's it's good i I like that yeah the eyebrows got going in that scene (laughs) all those keaton eyebrows um so, but the main question here is, you know, I think the the biggest fault of the movie um, is that, you know, while it's interesting to talk about, you know, like all of these things that we've been saying about, you know, art versus commerce and, you know, the pursuit of this artistic truth versus selling, you know, tickets um, and, and theater actors versus superhero movies, whatever – um, you know, at the end of the day, this is still a movie about actors playing actors, talking about being actors and complaining about being not being famous enough. And like, and they're all famous. Right. So I guess the question is, did you guys, did anybody, do you guys find it too indulgent? Because there are a lot of times where it really pushes that envelope for me. I mean, I think they made a lot of interesting points, like about what you do when the money runs out and yeah. what you do when... <clears throat> you've achieved a certain level of success but still nobody takes you seriously because one of the things i find interesting about celebrity is like people people sort of assign motives to you yeah. you know like we find out that this play is like deeply personal to him right but because he didn't come to broadway the right way you know because he didn't pay his dues because he has the gall to write direct and star in it right people assume he's just like a hack who wants attention Mm -hmm. you know who's trying to like look at me look what i did and we know because we see the background of it that it's very personal but so i feel like it must be very frustrating sometimes when people assume oh you're a certain way and you have a certain personality and you can't possibly really care about this one thing or you can't possibly really be interested in this one thing um <clears throat> the way we tend to assume, like, oh, this celebrity must not be very smart, or this celebrity must not really be interested in this particular cause. Like, how do we know? We don't, yeah. you know? But so I feel like it raises a lot of interesting questions about the downside of celebrity without making you be like, oh, yeah, tiniest violin for you. You're super rich. You have multiple houses. Like, yeah, I feel so sorry for you, you know, which I think sometimes you do feel that way. Sometimes celebrities complain about stuff and you're yeah. just sort of like, yeah, cry me a river, pay my student loans, right. you know? But I feel like it manages to bring up some of the downfalls without being, to use your word, indulgent, I think. There are, there, there are a couple of times, like, I think Keaton asked multiple times, Keaton 
says something along the lines of like i've this shows everything to me or you know this is i'm trying to do something important here he says that a lot like i'm trying to do something important here and it's like the death of a salesman well yeah exactly it just feels like kind of haranguing it's like yeah okay like i get that you know i get the emotional stakes for that character but it also just feels like you know on a certain scale like actors being super grandiose uh about their acting you know and you know again i say that like as an actor you know like i understand like being in that mindset and being in that moment but you know i guess that's my you know my fear or and i like i understand why a lot of people have been kind of uh put off by the movie is that yeah at the end of the day it's like oh yeah it's just actors complaining about not being famous enough and like i'm gonna go to mcdonald's for the fourth time this week you know yeah well but i think you know it you do raise a good point especially because you know he keeps saying i want to do something i want to do something important and this is important to me but throughout the movie you've also got other things that could and should be important to him in one would hope a more profound way like yeah his daughter's health right you know absolutely which like don't seem to be all that important to him you know something important that he could be doing is bonding with his daughter and yeah. ensuring that she's sober and making sure she's okay and trying to earn back the respect of his ex-wife that yep. he was not very kind to you know um i really love their scene too by the way that like right before he goes on for the last time mm-hmm. amy ryan is just so wonderful um but yeah no she that that scene is like looking really very beverly crusher in this movie. she was I looking very beverly very, crusher very in this beverly. Movie. for a split second i thought it was gates mcfadden <laughs> and i was like ah and then i was like oh no wait gates that's McFadden, you have aged very well <laughs> i know well. I, was yeah. like, I was like how do you do that you and wentworth miller what is going Good on Lord. um did you guys did you find it too over the top too i don't know the part that to me like the storyline of the actory yeah. actually had less to do with the celebrity and more to do with um, what was, I think, most obvious in Norton's character, but this idea of where we're honest yeah, and where there's truth and why actors choose the roles that they choose. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where we were, you know, up on the up on the roof with him and Emma Stone, and I literally was, oh, she's saying um, you shouldn't have been a playwright or, you know, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Thank God you're not a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. writer, yeah. Um, and I, I was like, oh my God, I've had this conversation with every single guy I dated in theater school. Sure, absolutely. Like, it, like it literally is this, mm-hmm. these words come out of the mouths of actors and Absolutely, playwrights. yeah. Um, and I think in a way that doesn't exist in film and there is... Um, you know, there certainly are the people like Daniel Day-Lewis and, you know, the super methody movie actors. Um, but, you know, you shoot out of order and you do these things once and then you go on your merry way and, like, you see it on, in a, a cinema. A stage actor lives those roles. Yeah. Like they, they live, I mean, in an ideal world, eight shows a week Yeah, exactly. Years. I was going to say, yeah. And I, I think that is a really important question that they're grappling with in there of, like, how do you escape and where do you find moments to be honest in your real life when you're being eaten alive by your character? Absolutely. Whether it's the bird and the superhero. <laughs> yeah. Or whether it's, you know, this guy who can only get it up when there are 800 people because he's so in the truth I of know. this motel room. I know. And that scene is really hard to watch. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that scene is hard to watch. Um, but yeah, like at the same time, it's like, I, I think you're right. I think there's something to that where like, yes, he's being a tremendous douche. Like he's being a, like a total dickhead and he's, 
you know, basically forcing himself on her. Um, but at the same time, like, you're right. I think in a way, like, he's not doing it to be an asshole and he's not doing it, uh, like, I, I, he's no, doing you it. you don't get to excuse that. No, I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm just saying, like, I think he's, like, you, like you said, you know, he, he's, he, he says in the movie, everything that happens on stage is, like, honest like i'm not faking when i'm not pretending when i'm on stage like everything that happens on stage is you know is real to me and like you're right like that's the only place where he can get it up and so in, in that moment it's like oh yeah there's people whatever like this thing is happening and i'm gonna move forward with this thing that is happening to me please never re- make that joke regardless of <laughs> okay <that's fine. laughs> i actually feel <laughs> I'm just, I'm i just say like that that's why he's in that moment and i like i I don't excuse his behavior in that scene, but I understand his behavior in that scene. And this is what bothers me about actor types, is that you can speak all loftily all you want about like, but I was just living the truth of the moment and I was just being honest. Your job is literally to pretend. And so when you start to be like, Oh, but it was just, it was just the honesty of the moment, man. I was just in the moment. It's like, dude, no. Then you're not doing your job. Your job is to pretend. Your job is to fake it. And if you need to live it 24 hours a day in order to do it, I personally don't think you're very good at it if you have to live it 24 hours. I'm not saying you have to, like, turn it on turn it off at a moment's notice, but I just remember watching one of those round tables they do around Oscar time with yeah. all the nominees. And they were talking about something similar. Like, if I remember correctly, they really were talking about, like, people, like, actually having sex on camera. Oh, sure, yeah. And all of them were acting like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Like, it's just when you're in the moment, I mean, they... and I was like, no, that's not your job. And if, like, I can't imagine wanting to become an actor and then hopefully becoming an actor and then trying to do a sex scene which is probably already awkward and then the guy starts doing that to me and everyone around me just acting like oh yeah you know he was just in the moment you know it's like no he tried to really have sex with me in the middle of a sex scene that's not okay no i agree like i said that's not okay and the fact that we're all acting like it's normal because he was just in the moment and being honest and he's an actor no no i was saying i like i said i'm not trying to excuse that behavior like you know in if that you know happened in real life like that would not that would not be okay um but i just like like i it feels uh true to everything else of that character though well, he was honestly being an asshole yeah, yes exactly i just feel like i can't remember who i wish i could remember i don't know if it was olivier or if it was someone more common more modern um but i feel like they were talking about the difference between american and british actors and they were saying that you know american actors do tend to be like very serious and very methody and like well why exactly would i say that and what exactly is my character thinking whereas british actors tend to be more like because it's in the script like that's why you're saying it just just stand where they told you to stand say the things they told you to say and but like who tends to be better adjusted american actors or british actors like the british actors don't seem to be the ones going off the rails because they can't cope with reality i mean look there's that's certainly a you know a valid argument i suppose i don't 
It That's, is honest. I don't necessarily <laughs> grant I'm your... I'm the truth of the moment. That's true. Really. That is true. You this are. This is my truth. You're not allowed to I don't know how to say that. No, that is We're true. all living the truth yeah. of this moment. Yeah. No, I, but I mean, I also think there's, you know, there's... I don't want to discount, you know, 50, 60 years of, you know... Beautiful I mean, tradition from well, Moses to Sandy Koufax. No, I just... Thank you. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, there's... A very specific difference. You see it in, you know, performance when Brando shows up on screen for the first time. And yeah, and he is, it's all about that emotional truth in the moment and everything that comes before, like it's, it is, it's like night and day. Um, and that's the thing. There's, uh, that movie, my week with Marilyn, where, uh, Michelle Williams plays Marilyn Monroe. Like that's one of the main conflicts of that movie is that she's working alongside, all of these British stage actors who are just sort of like, whatever. Yeah, I hit my mark. I said my line. I walked off off frame, and like, what do I? Who? That's all I needed to do, right? And she is very no. I've got to be emotionally available, and I've got to be in that moment. And yes, it makes for like more difficult personalities, and yes, it you know leads to more emotional issues down the road example Marilyn Monroe uh but it also leads to incredibly richer performances I think and well, I don't think that's necessarily something to discount that totally disagree with yeah that. I was gonna say I feel like there are plenty of people who are amazing actors who don't approach it that way but I also just feel like we excuse so much dickish behavior in real life no I agree because oh they're actors and oh it bleeds over into real life and it's part of like their process and Okay, fine. Also, you turn in a great performance on screen. Nobody wants to live with you. Yeah, we also, and this was sort of my point of Edward Norton's character, is it's like, it's not even so much excusing the behavior. We're leading to, like, incredibly maladjusted human beings yeah. who can't function in their own life because they're too afraid or because they're... Absolutely. And I think I think Keaton is in, or, you know, uh, Riggin is, that. that's, like, one of his issues is, you know, he, he's grappling with this thing of, like, you know people don't they remember him only as birdman from you know 20 years ago um and he wants to be taken seriously as this serious actor and he wants that attention and he wants that love it's not necessarily the fame but he wants that respect and he wants that love or whatever and he's going back and forth like oh he becomes uh you know he's tweeted and and he's on vine and you know he's he becomes like a little viral sensation for three days and like no that's that's not the attention i wanted he gets all wrapped up in in his own like you know he's, he shoots his face off but oh but now the show is a success so i guess it's okay now you know uh, there's that i love there's that one line that i wrote down that i really like believe which it or is, not this is power well yeah there's that i wrote that down too um and that's the thing it's like yeah the power is maybe not what doesn't come in the form that you wanted or you know this isn't what you want you know this isn't what you were expecting but you know this is actually what has influence and what actually gets people to show up um you know a good review in the new york times might keep the show from closing but that's also not necessarily you, you run around naked in times square and suddenly you know, people are lining up around the block to come see your play right yeah. um but what, I, what the other one that i really liked is uh popularity is the slutty cousin of <laughs> prestige um which i, I don't also, know what that means yeah but it's also it's it's timed uh so great and it, this happens a bunch of times in the movie the first one is when it's like hey then 
you know, the perfect actor isn't just going to knock on the door and say, hey, am I, am I, when do I go on? And then the knock on the door. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, it's popularity is the slutty cousin of prestige. And then like five seconds later is when the family comes up to him in the bar and is like, oh, can we take a picture? And the wife is like, oh, and she like kisses him awkwardly on the cheek. And mm. like that, there's a bunch of those moments like that. Um, which, you know, again, can feel a little on the nose when it happens like three or four times, but each one of those kind of works by their, by themselves, I think. So, well, unless anyone else has any strong, uh, bones to pick or anything, I think, I think it's time for Heart of the Ghostbusters. Uh, who's your, who's your drinking buddy? Who's the, who's the person you want to hang with in this movie? Jamie? No, don't make me go first. Jenna? I need to think. <laughs> <laughs> Daily? How did this happen again? Um... You know, uh, I kind of want to go with, like, one of the, like, stagehand people. Okay. Um, You're not gonna, though. Well, I, I like, I, I like the, the little guy who you see a couple times, the, like, older little guy. He's, like, there at the very end. Um, oh, yeah. I've yeah, seen, yeah. he's in a bunch, bunch, bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he's I on Fringe. I really, like, I really like that actor. Yeah. Um, I mean, he doesn't really do anything in this movie. He's just sort of hanging off to the side a couple times. Yeah. Um. Uh, I also really like Merritt Weaver, who plays the stage manager. Oh yeah, um, said, get a kid. I like her, but she didn't do anything yeah, exactly. particular in this movie. Yeah, I know. I, hang out I agree. Her. I agree. I wanted. Generally. Yeah, I wanted to pick like a a stagehand, but um, but yeah, none of them were Mm-mm. really all that interesting to me. I mean, it's Zach. Who's Zach? Galifianakis. Oh, I thought you were talking about a character name, and I was like, there was no Zach in this movie. He can't pronounce Scorsese. Are you sure you want to hang out with him? <laughs> Scorsese. What, what else, what else, what else will he misprodounce throughout He was the only reasonable human being in the entire See, I'm movie. I'm going with Amy Ryan for exactly that reason. She's oh. the most reasonable human being yeah. in that movie. She, she is. is. She, she, be she really is. Reasonable people. Well, See, that's what so I'm saying. Thing is, Here's the thing. Zach is would... just reasonable enough. Yes. And he, he sticks he by might, his he friends. He might be fun. But the other people are the kind of reasonable that I can, the kind of unreasonable rather that I can only tolerate for like ten minutes, right? Yeah. And then I just want to like smash a glass in their face. So I don't think I want to hang out with them for the entire night. Even Zach? Well, he would be close. But I'm talking about all the other people. He showed great loyalty. I don't want to hang out with Ed Norton. I don't want to hang out. I'm gonna Michael go with. Keaton. I'm gonna go with Emma Stone. I think. Oh. Yeah, buddy, that Should drink's gonna drinking? go well. She's, yeah. yeah, she's gonna. <laughs> Start I know. drinking a lot and then play truth or dare with you and things are gonna go get weird. I'm just saying it would be an interesting night. And, yeah, you'd have you about you'd have good stories. That's all I have to say. If you fucking remember them, man, you might not, and that would be part of the story. So I said to Bar when we got in the car, we were talking about Emma Stone and yeah. her um, various attributes or lack thereof. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do you have a we grudge talk- against Emma Stone? Do you bear about- Emma Stone ill will? No, we were talking about her ass. And oh, okay, what yes. I was saying was that she actually has this incredibly compelling face, and it's amazing what she can do with it. Yeah. And what I found was the way the camera actually was angled on her, it allowed her this unbelievable ability to like come in and out of focus and change how big her eyes were and what the... That very like, last shot, her oh, eyes are like huge. Yeah. Like, well, her eyes are really... Shit. She has anime eyes yeah. in real life, I think. Mm-hmm. She's a firecracker. I dug her. All right. Do you, do, you, do you want to tell her about how she tries to be invisible, but she's really big? <laughs> she's, and everyone she's like a candle her. burning at both ends, yes, man. it's beautiful. It's messy, but it's beautiful. That was the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
seriously. I mean, we're all you dumber. You talked to her for like the mouths of people <laughs> I dated in college. I was like, I like Emma Stone, but she has not done anything. Like her character has not done anything particularly like memorable or exciting or you beautiful. Can see it in her but eyes, you're sitting. Up, oh yeah, with your eyes, fire. you're like Kittleberg and Focus. You're so shut up. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad nobody wants to drink with Ed Norton. Yeah. I um, kind of did until the I did creepy too. bed scene. Cause I, I was exactly. Because like, before that, it was like, eh, you might be kind of interesting yeah. just to like wind him up and let him loose for exactly. a couple of hours you and get see what happens. Some men just want to watch the world yes, burn. Until he got so really funny. creepy yeah. and then it was like, never mind, I don't want to hang no, out No, you'd with end you. up in some like random, some weird fucking bar you didn't know exists. You'd get into a fight before the night was over. You're clearly going to end up a lampshade in somebody's apartment. It would be, that would be, he would have the the best stories but he also you know do something horrifying at any moment so like yeah just 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 a little bit too far over the line norton i could almost almost uh pick heaton i kind of could almost too. i kind of could almost too. just I because i want to see if he actually can't manipulate things with his mind <laughs> and also because i want to see him pick a bar fight with the voice right and the eyebrows oh so yeah good. jesus Birdman, actual Birdman, oh, actual Birdman, actual Birdman. Oh, I would drink a Birdman. Yeah, actual Birdman is the correct answer. Yeah. Jesus, that's he's my choice. I don't know what I would say. How did I miss that? Oh, see, I'm still going with Amy Ryan because you know she probably has a lot of really good stories, especially about the time that she and Regan were married and like yeah. all the crazy things they got into and all the crazy people they met. But she would tell it with like the tone of someone who also thinks it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, she wouldn't be like. You know, sometimes people tell stories about stupid things, but you can tell that they think it's awesome, and you're like, no, it's not awesome. Why are you doing this to me? Like, I, I respect you less now. Whereas, like, <laughs> I feel like she... that's a conversation that happens in our house a lot. <laughs> oh, that's not that awesome. What are you totally doing? Every time I example. come over, see, last week, John Wick. <laughs> yes, no, that was a totally hypothetical example. Yeah. Um, totally hypothetical example that will be taking place she... in 45 minutes. But she would tell all those stories with, like, yes, this was dumb i can't believe i married that you'd be like it is dumb thank you so yes that's why i want to hang out with her i don't know actual Birdman might be the devil though yeah no i don't, I don't dude i don't care you ever dance the devil in the pale moonlight i, I Cause wanna because that, that's Birdman. but i wanna and the thing is that he would just start haunting you like he'd be flying around your head literally flying around what did you do to the dog what just like happened? Did you just murder the dog? After all of that last week with John Wick, did you just ac accidentally assassinate our dog? I threw the tire, and he spun around really fast to get it. He, like, slammed his neck into the door. Jesus. What is with this dog tonight? That's like an after the earlier when he crashed he's, into the table. He's fine. Oh, my God. He doesn't, he's not worse for the wear. Lord. Dogs and babies are made of rubber. <laughs> Uh, Jenna, your choice is uh, Zach Galifianakis. Is that? It was gonna be, but I, I think I'm going with the critic. Yeah, I like the critic. What? See, I mean, she's very mean, but no, that would see, be a no, terrible. I liked her uh -uh. when I thought she was like, I don't want to say good at her job, but when I thought she was like the no. gatekeeper. She no, was just when mean I thought and she was like spiteful. honest. When I, I thought she there was is like more to her than meets the eye. This is a woman who can sit in a dark bar by herself, do her work with her martini. There was a lot of talk of what kind of person goes into this. Why do you do... I'm just interested. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I want to like go paint the town red with her. Do you her, really like... want to drudge all that stuff up with her? I'm curious. Jenna's tapping into, you know, it's a different 
vein than we normally go through. We usually, I feel like, we pick a, a heart of the Ghostbusters who will lead to a night of fun stories of drinking. It's like, no, you sometimes you just want to have a nice, quiet drink and I don't think so. I don't learn a little bit about a person one on one. I don't think that you could have a nice, quiet drink with her. Well, she was and not nice, come in quiet and start drink shouting at you. I know, but I went with Zach. I didn't with the only beard in the movie, and <laughs> Daily over here is dancing with the devil, and Jamie's taking like the embittered wife. I'm going with Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> she was awesome. She was not at all embittered. I was offended on her behalf. She dodged a bullet. I don't think there was any bitterness there. Oh wow. No this is the best part of the Ghostbusters ever. You don't know the difference between love and adoration. Admiration is bitter. That's possibly true. No, I don't think that's it's bitterness. I think that's like it's get remorse. your shit together. Yeah, it could like, be frustration. It's her Either daughter's way, father, and it's like, come on, just get your shit together. It'd be I don't like, know. Be she like, is very she poised. She has a great deal of grace. I feel like you'd be like drinking with Princess Diana, and I don't want to do that either. Well, she's dead now, so. In her, in her, in her <laughs> prime. In her prime. Um, okay. Right. Well, any other final thoughts on, on Birdman? All right. Good. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for us then. Uh, Bart, Jenna, Jamie, thank you all for coming. It's, it's nice to have, like, actual, you know, a few extra guests on the show again. It's been just Bart and I for quite some time. I feel a little unappreciated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, Bart. What I, am I? What am I? Invisible? It, I'm not even here. <laughs> uh, don't shoot your nose off. Um, but no, I. You know, like I said, it's just it's it's nice to have other people. So, um, so so, ladies, thank you for joining us. You're thank welcome. You, for having uh, you can uh, follow me on uh, Twitter or uh, on Facebook at Daily Screening. Uh, you can follow along on the blog, of course, dailyscreening.com. And then you can follow this podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes where you can rate us and rank us and review us. Has and... anybody done that yet? No, probably not. I doubt it. Uh, but, you know. We made fucking 37 of these. That'd be nice. Um, either way, we've had fun talking, so I hope you've had fun listening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. Tomorrow.